Hi, everyone. Um, I've had a lot of drinks over the last week. I don't know about you, uh, but it seems like with the coronavirus, things are changing faster than we can update them. Um, every day, it seems like a new insurance company is having new wording. Um, every day, it also seems like the government is providing new um, benefits extensions and income protection and wage loss subsidies. So um, today, we're going to do a roundup of everything that has happened to date since the last podcast. And to give you some you know, quick and easy advice. We've posted on benandplan.ca. When you go to the homepage, there's a quick link, then it goes to their COVID um, help center. So every single time anything changes, that's an up to the minute um, center where we're updating wording. So every insurance carrier's wording will be updated there, as well as any changes in legislation that will impact the employee benefits. So um, on this episode, I want to talk about the new Bill C-13 that was just um, passed into law today, the 25th of March, 2020, in the afternoon. Um, so we, there's a lot of ground that this bill covers, but I just want to talk about the parts that relate to group employee benefit plans. Um, because if you're being asked questions, you should be able to respond. So, um, the first part talks about how there's some income tax measures, um, by providing eligible small employers, a temporary wage subsidy for a period of three months. Part two enacts the Canada Emergency Response Benefit Act to authorize the making of income support payments to workers who suffer of loss of income for reasons related to the coronavirus disease 2019. Part 10 amends the Canada Labor Code. Phone just rang, picked it up. Sorry, the phone's been going all day. Um, I'm going to read that again. So part 10 amends the Canada Labor Code to, among other things, create a regime which provides for a leave related to COVID-19 of up to 16 weeks, which turns into a general quarantine leave October 1, 2020. During this leave, the employee is deemed actively at work and all benefits and pensions must continue. All employer and employee remittances also must continue. Part 18, Division 1, amends the Employment Insurance Act to give the Minister of Employment and Social Development the power to make interim orders for the purpose of mitigating the economic effects of COVID-19. And then Part 18, Division 2, provides that effectively, uh, there's no doctor's note to get on EI. I'm not going to read the whole preamble, but... um, So let's break all of those parts down. Those are just five parts of what I've talked about. So for the income subsidy, they're talking about workers are eligible if you were employed or self-employed, ceases working for reasons related to COVID-19 for at least 14 consecutive days within the four-week period in respect to which they apply for the payment. And so effectively, you'll be able to apply and the maximum number of weeks for income support payments may be made to a worker is 16 weeks. So you know, the part that's nebulous right now in the interpretation of this is how this will actually be applied. So if an employer has a short-term disability plan and there is this, you know, income support payments due to lost wages and, and to be eligible, it's ceases working for reasons to related to COVID-19. It's so broad. Um, As of the recording of this podcast, we still don't know. We are going to need to read into this a little bit more. We're also going to need to wait to see how the government actually applies this. Like, how do you apply? How much money do you receive? Who is eligible to receive that money? When are you eligible? So we still have a lot of questions, but... I think if you have um, an employer who's looking at creating a subplan, a subplan is a supplementary unemployment benefit plan that would be a way or an instrument for an employer to top up what employees receive on EI, um, you know, 
you might want to hit pause on that, or you might want to continue full steam ahead with that. I think a lot of employers are scratching their heads right now saying, well, I was already prepared to top up income if someone was on quarantine and on EI. And now if the government's going to provide income support payments, you know, I'm not going to throw money out the window. So what are we doing here? But I think we still need to pause and take a look at that. Um, of course, if any payment was made in error, then that person is required to pay that back to the government, just like with any other benefit. Um, now, I think the one really interesting leave is the new um, entitlement to leave in the Employment Standards Act. So the quarantine, um, I'm just going to read here word for word, every employee is entitled to and shall be granted a medical leave of absence from employment of up to 16 weeks as a result of quarantine. So it doesn't say here paid leave. So therefore my interpretation, and please know my opinion is probably worth $0.0 right now. Um, but you know, my interpretation is that this is a non-paid job protected leave like the other leaves in the Employment Standards Act. Um, now I'm just going to read this entitlement. If the employee is unable or unavailable to work for reasons related to the coronavirus disease 2019, what does that mean? Does that mean government shut down because of a non-essential business? Does that mean you're in, um, self-quarantine because you might have contacted the virus, but you have no symptoms? It's just so broad that it is causing us to cross our eyes a little bit as to how this is going to interact with employee benefit plans. Because as you know, if there's a layoff, if the company mandates a layoff, insurance companies are going to treat that differently than a job protected statutory leave. So to back up, if an employer says to employees, I have a work shortage, and this is not a coronavirus crisis, and they put them on layoff, then most insurance companies under normal, you know, call it peacetime, not wartime, say, you know, all benefits can be extended to the minimum notice period as if you're terminating them. So in Ontario, that's one week per year of service to a maximum of eight weeks. Uh, but if you want to extend it longer than that, and especially if you do want to extend disability benefits from day one, you do have to ask for it in writing from the insurer. Um, most carriers don't automatically cover layoff for disability. Actually, they automatically stop disability coverage during layoff. So you know, if you've got a carrier that is different and unique, you've got to read the policy and contract. Um, now, post-coronavirus, we're getting updates daily from insurance companies one by one who are falling and saying, okay, fine, like we'll cover disability up to 90 days due to layoff, but not more than that. And you're going to have to document it. And, you know, by the way, travel is not covered because no one's allowed to travel right now out of the country. Um, fine. So that's one thing. But if it is a statutory leave, and it's job protected, then all benefits must continue and insurance companies must treat the benefits as if you're an actively employed individual. So to give you an example, with maternity leave, parental leave, family caregiver leave, all the job protected leads in the Employment Standards Act, I'm talking from an Ontario perspective, sorry, rest of the country, um, then employer, insurance companies are required by law to maintain all benefits during that time. Now, employees do need to pay their portion of the benefits as well, um, but that said, it's treated very differently. Like uh, in no new world do insurance companies just unilaterally give out disability like candy to people who are not actually working, who are not actually dragging themselves to work every day. Um, so that's why this legislation is bringing the hammer down and saying, actually, um, not only are they entitled to job-protected leave, 
but you've got to continue benefits. So I'm going to read the benefits clause. It says the pension, health and disability benefits and the seniority of employee who's absent from work due to leave of absence under this division accumulate during the entire period of leave. (sighs) I don't know anymore. I don't know. I'm also going to read this clause in the law. It says deemed continuous employment for the purposes of calculating benefits other than benefits referred to in subsection eight of an employee who is absent from work due to a leave of absence under this division, employment on the employee's return to work is deemed to be continuous with employment for the employee's absence. So you basically accrue uh, tenure when you're actively at work. Fun times. So I think what I'm going to do is draw a picture and post this online because I can only really understand this in a visual way. So if I think of it visually, if you've got an employee benefit plan that has the presence of short and long-term disability, and you have a company that's looking at you saying, what are we supposed to do here? Where do our employees apply? I would separate people into two specific camps. So think of two different boxes, okay? The red box and the blue box. The red box is for people who are actually sick. People who are actually sick, regardless if your business is operating or not, we'll talk about that separately, but if you're actually sick and it could be due to coronavirus, it could be due to anything, you've got to apply to your company's short-term disability plan first. Okay? That's adjudicated, same as normal. However, if there is a layoff and the disability occurred after the date of the layoff, that's when you really, really need to let us know, let the insurance company or your administrator know in writing before the date of layoff begins, if you can, I know these are crazy times, um, that you'd like to extend benefits. And so therefore, if the layoff has begun and you were successful in getting the insurer to agree to extend disability benefits, then again, you apply to the red box, you apply to the private insurance plan for short-term and then eventually long-term disability. On the right-hand side is the blue box. So forget the red box. Look at the blue box. The blue box, if you're not sick, okay? So if you have no symptoms, if you don't have a single cough or a sniffle at all, but you've returned from vacation, you have maybe been in contact with someone who has presumptive or positive COVID-19, you're not sick, but you might be ordered to stop working because of a government-mandated shutdown, and maybe your workplace is not an essential workplace. The blue box is where you're applying to EI, okay? So even if you've got a short-term disability program in place, if you're in quarantine and you are not sick, you must apply to EI. You apply to EI, you get your EI benefits. Now, what I still don't have clear as of the recording of this episode is the top-up. So with respect to an employer that says, okay, the guys are going to the blue box, meaning he's not sick or she's not sick, they're going to get uh, EI payments, but they're going to be receiving 55% of their income. And, you know, I would really like to top them up because I don't want people to have a financial incentive to say, you know, well, actually I'm going to come to work because I can't afford to not come to work, even though you've been in contact with someone who's been in, who's had COVID or you've been traveling abroad. Um, If that employer wants to top things up, well, guess what? Before today at 3 p.m., they could have just submitted a sub plan, a supplementary unemployment benefit plan to the government and registered that they intend to top up people on quarantine and away you go. You just top top people up. I mean, there's there's a form, there's a policy, but it's pretty simple. After today at 3 p.m., now that the government's saying they are willing to spend money towards these folks, I think we are rushing to really read and interpret what does that mean so that employers that are preparing to create a subplan are not um, 
you know, throwing money away, so to speak. So, you know, that's the update today. Uh, again, go to beneplan.ca, click on the COVID-19 link to see all the up to the hour updates, and then feel free to reach out to us on LinkedIn, Twitter. Um, our handle is beneplan or beneplan.ca and let us know how we're doing. Thanks so much for listening. My name is Yafa Sakaja and I'm the CEO of Beneplan.